The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Coming off two days of rallies into the close and futures are green as the market hangs on some optimism that Omicron can be handled. S&P needs about 16 points for an all-time closing high. VIX below 19 today. Tons of data ahead of the holiday. Our roadmap this morning begins with, quote, nothing's been good enough. As Omicron spreads, the president responding to the nation's testing challenge. Plus, you just heard uh, Carl talking about it. Let's say it's a comeback rally as stocks do look to extend gains for a third day to close out what is this holiday shortened trading week. And we're keeping an eye on EVs. The uh, shares of Tesla are gaining, as CEO Elon Musk says he's, quote, almost done with stock sales. Nikola shares also jumping this after the company tweets about its first delivery. Carl. David, Jim, a lot, lot to get to this morning, guys. Uh, we got uh, the good hospitalization studies out of the U.K. and South Africa, Jim. Uh, Paxlovid, of course, now cleared, waiting on Merck. You opened your show last night by saying maybe Omicron this time is finally on the run. Uh, look, I, I have to believe it is, if only because uh, something that David's talked about endlessly, the antiviral. Uh, if Pfizer can get things beyond 220,000, maybe the government needs to give that formula to a lot of other drug companies. And, and uh, Omicron takes the course of, of what's happened in South Africa, and we get some sort of vaccine from Walter Reed. It's hard to believe that we won't be in a much better place in the spring. Although, David, I'm sure as soon as people hear that, they'll say, well, then the Fed has to tighten even more. I say, give us a break. If we can get the public health situation under control, David, I do think that, therefore, the country will get back on track uh, with or without Fed tightening. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, as Carl mentioned, of course, uh, we are starting to finally get that data that we've been waiting for that does show Omicron is uh, milder as well, Jim. I don't know if that changes people's behavior in the near term, even before uh, the antivirals become widely available. Right. But, uh, David, we, we're stuck with this sample in the United States of, of uh, I don't know what's happening. Omicron this really seems to be very much concentrated in the Northeast. We haven't really seen the outbreak in the South, although there's some in Texas that would indicate that there's uh, a difference between people who are vaccinated and not. Although the president has endlessly said, and Pete Buttigieg, the secretary just said, look, if you're not vaccinated, you, you got to get vaccinated. David, do you have anything about uh, the difference between unvaccinated and vaccinated and uh, Omicron? Well, I think we know that, yeah, that there's a significant difference potentially in symptoms or uh, likelihood of well, being then, asymptomatic. Sure, uh, Jim. Uh, but, uh, you know, as for data, I mean, I, again, I've been wondering about 
sort of data and comparing if you're vaccinated, fully vaccinated at this point, let's call it three shots versus getting the flu. I guess it's still conceivably worse, although not clear that it is with Omicron. Yeah, well, that's I, mean, I just think that we got to see whether we're going to have a day where we have 400,000 people who get it. Uh, we're going to have to see whether yeah. we have super spreader. Uh, but more important, Carl, we have to see uh, whether we get it peaks, that it goes as quickly as it's going in the U.K., going south in, in uh, South okay. Africa. And if that's the case, that's that theory that I have, which is that you are going to be in a situation where it's entirely possible that we are peaking. And if we peak and 2022 starts out strong, I think that instead of the numbers that we saw this morning, which were anemic, I think we get a series of really good numbers and we can handle uh, two or three tightenings and, and be able to continue to advance. Yeah, it would be nice to return uh, to, to that problem, I guess, Jim, uh, for the markets at least. I did notice uh, in the UK there's an estimate out this morning that one in every 45 uh, UK residents had COVID last week. Uh, versus uh, one in 60 oh, in the prior geez. week. You mentioned the president, and I know you've been, I know you've been critical about uh, the testing rollout. Uh, David Muir of ABC did talk to him about not just uh, the empty shelves uh, of testing, uh, but the supply chain issues and whether all of that leading into the end of the year has been a failure. Take a listen. Empty shelves, no test kits. Is that a failure? No, I don't think it's a failure. I think it's, uh, you could argue that we should have known a year ago, six months ago, two months ago, a month ago, I've ordered half a billion of the pills, 500 million pills. I mean, excuse me, 500 million test kits that are going to be available to be sent to every home in America if anybody wants them. But um, the answer is, yeah, I wish I had thought about ordering a half a billion pills two months ago before COVID hit here. But we're nearly two years into this pandemic. You're a year into the presidency. Empty shelves and no test kits in some places uh, three days before Christmas when it's so important. Uh, is that good enough? No, nothing's been good enough. Yeah, um, we're going to find out more. He means, obviously, he says pills. He means the test kits. But uh, we are slowly, Jim, assembling more and more into the toolbox. Novavax, of course, on Squawk this morning, AstraZeneca, the antivirals. And if we can put that last piece into place and give people the ability to know if they're positive, that's going to be a big thing. I really feel that the president's uh, not credible on the tests, uh, and not just because he called them pills. Uh, I think that there aren't any uh, of size available in this country. You have to go overseas to get them. Is he going overseas? Uh, the surfet really is in China. Do we want uh, Chinese uh, test kits? Maybe he can get some from Britain. But right now, those kits are not available in the United States. So why does he just say, look, I ordered them? This is very much like mass. Remember when President Trump said, well, we got the mass? We didn't have the mass. Why don't these people just say, listen, we don't know. We're going to try to get this stuff, but we don't know. Because I know from my reporting behind the scenes, Carl, they don't have the goods. They don't have the horses. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't think anybody I think a lot of people doing their own reporting behind the scenes could tell you the exact same thing, David. It's it's very difficult uh, to get a test of any kind. And even if you're able to get in to get a PCR, the delay on the results uh, makes the timing of those results almost irrelevant. 
Yeah, and timing is, uh, is so important, such an important component of this right now. Again, people who are triple vaxxed uh, don't seem overly concerned about getting particularly sick, but they certainly do about the disruption to their lives if they were forced to, as you're expected to still, quarantine for 10 days, as the two of you know very well. Uh, Jim, how many more days you got left? Uh, I've, got, I've got three, um, okay. which means that I'm going to the uh, Eagles-Giants game. And uh, going proudly, uh, that's kind of uh, what I got to tell you is, is that when the Eagles go to the Super Bowl, I, I should be so I, I'm going to be like double, triple everything vaccinated by then. <laughs> which is which do you think is less likely that I, I'll be Superman or that we'll be in the Super Bowl? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I don't think the Eagles are going to be in the Super Bowl. But uh, but, you know, what do I know? I'm a Jets fan. So don't. What do you know? Thing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No. Yeah. No, 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 nothing at all. The ownership there is also questionable. Yes. Yes. I think that's a fair point as well. But, um, you know, Carl, I, Carl, yeah. I hate to move too far afield with football, but the fact is, is that I look to football for how quickly you can be vaccinated and how quickly you can get it and how quickly you can come back. And it does seem like they're not using the same rules that the rest of the country is, Carl. Yeah. Well, uh, look at Texas A&M, uh, unable to play in the Gator Bowl, um, even though the timing of that would suggest that you could you could have everybody quarantine and still play. Uh, but uh, whether it's the NBA, uh, Adam Silver, the NHL, uh, college football, pro football, gym sports, we've repeatedly used sports as a lens to sort of see how. Uh, businesses in general are, are sort of managing uh, the effects of all of this. Apple shutting a bunch more stores. All that said, Jim, I mean, it's a perfect time to pivot to the market. Why Why the action last couple of days? Why is the VIX below 19? And is the low volume this week, uh, does that make that some kind of an unreliable tell? Well, even in 2007, 2008, 2009, these were great days. Uh, the one of the greatest correlations is there is really a Santa Claus rally. Uh, sometimes it does extend into the first week of January. Uh, I also think that there's no real news. And in, in the absence of real news, we got to go back to what the uh, people are putting together lists of what looked good and they're buying what looked good. I mean, this is indeed, David, I know you don't necessarily want to hear it, but it's very much an NVIDIA market, not a Disney market. But an NVIDIA market. All right. Well, explain to people what that means and, and, why, what you, and what the contrast is that you're actually pointing out there. People are buying winners. OK, I mean, they're just buying NVIDIA. There's nothing happening in NVIDIA. Uh, it, it's going to look good when people you want to show that you own it. You want to show that you own uh, Alphabet. That's been a real winner. Uh, but no one wants to show that they own Disney. And yet there you were, David, with a backdrop, a crowded theme park. And yet. People take that gem of a company and they will not buy shares in it. The dogs won't need it, David. Yeah, at least at least for this year, it's been a tough go. Of course, we can also point out that last year, actually, the stock had quite a good run on the strength of, the, of their pursuit of direct to consumer and the success that they had there, Jim. On NVIDIA, as we you know, uh, you know, just to come back to it, because it's a name that we talk about so often for obvious reasons. And it's one that you have been a proponent of for many years it had been uh, eclipsed an $800 billion market value, I think, making it for a time. Right. It's still probably the seventh largest company out there in the U.S. Um, what do you think for 2022 when you look at the stock? To your point, a momentum name up 125 percent so far this year. It really is. Uh, if you look at the data, it, people are high performance computing. You look at the data center and NVIDIA dominates 
if you think that video games are going to be big, which I do because we don't see any cessation, NVIDIA dominates it. But David, the most important thing is if you're going to be omniverse, if you're going to be metaverse, you got to be NVIDIA. So I don't care what people say. Everything starts with NVIDIA when it comes to the future and the omniverse. So my take is, is that this was not a big year for NVIDIA versus what I think could happen. Hmm. Okay. So more to come. Okay. Even, even bigger. I mean, even okay. Yeah. Why don't I say, Jim, that's preposterous. What are you doing? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Right? How about it's this? A thousand per... Wow, that reminded me of the old squawk days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, 1,000% in five <laughs> years is not bad. People didn't know what it was. I mean, people didn't understand. It, people never thought that video games were that big. But I've got to tell you, we haven't heard from Zuckerberg yet. But I bet you that in the end, if you want the, the lifelike avatars, the only place you can get them is NVIDIA. Remember, I talked to myself when I was out there. Myself, look, you could not tell whether it was me. And I was brilliant because he programmed me. <laughs> Jensen Wong. <laughs> what? Do, do we need a reboot? We got we to shut him off and turn him back on again, uh, David? We'll, yeah. we'll see about that. You know, Jim, you mentioned, you mentioned availability of, uh, of chips and components. Uh, the Commerce Secretary was on CNN and said she doesn't think Omicron is going to have a long-term impact on supply chain. But we did have a lockdown in the Chinese city of Xi'an. Um, Yesterday, that's 13 yes. million residents. We're going to be watching that pretty closely. Yep. The Chinese g GDP is plummeting, Carl. I, I mean, I, I don't look, look, President Xi, Emperor Xi, whatever you want to say, but they got to get the GDP up. I mean, that's really his the way he's graded, and that GDP is looking bad. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, macro indicators, we're going to get to all of the data we got this morning. Claims, durables, uh, personal income and spending, new homes on the way, you Mish on the way. We'll hear more of uh, David's interview with Bob Iger, talk about some sports rights as futures are hanging in there on this final trading session of a holiday shortened week. Don't go away. The market doesn't joke around. So why would you get serious? Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. 
Welcome back, guys. As you know, it's been uh, a few days now of uh, going back to that interview with uh, Bob Iger. It was a unique opportunity, of course, to sit down with uh, the uh, chairman and longtime CEO of Disney. Jim, you were just talking about the stock <laughs> and not particularly. I know you like it, but uh, not particularly positive terms as we end the year. Um, you know, you and I can go back as well, Jim, and remember August of 2015. It was the first time that Disney CEO, Mr. Iger, at that point acknowledged you know, the beginning of sort of weakness in ESPN and the idea that you right. could start to see people decoupling, so to speak, from linear television uh, and what the company was going to do about that. Uh, and ever since then, you brought this up yesterday, I think. We've been talking about, you know, the future of sports, sports rights, um, ESPN as a property, what you do. You've brought up the metaverse. Well, I certainly did have an opportunity to ask uh, Mr. Iger, about how he sees the future for what was once the growth engine at Disney. I happen to believe that the future of ESPN is very bright as long as it continues to hold on to sports rights and it continues to migrate in terms of how those rights are both distributed or sold to consumers. Um, and so I think we're in this interim period of time of kind of a, a bit of out with the old and with the new. And the question I guess that really Bob will, will deal with and is dealing with is, do you, do you accelerate that or do you try to accelerate it? Um, or do you hold back as long as you possibly can? It's not a decision I'll make, but I happen to believe that the future of ESPN is bright if it can make that successful migration mm -hmm. to the new platforms. Right. Um, Which we're doing. But. It is, although these days you're competing against those, those insurgents, so to speak. I mean, yes. who knows what Amazon or Apple might be willing to pay for some of those sports rights. It could be unlimited given their ability to actually not care about the return. <laughs> well, it is hard to compete with, with uh, companies that, that, that um, are approaching things like that, either because of their size or just because of just their ability to take on bigger risks. Um, I think we're well positioned, though. ESPN is quite a good brand. Um, it has amassed just a phenomenal, phenomenal collection of sports rights um, that I think it is using well to continue to be popular and attract consumers. And I think it's. I think it has to migrate. Yeah, to well, new it is platforms. migrating. But it's got the question is at what pace, and that's not something for me to determine. It's the question for all of us. In this I think business. if I had, I think if I had, if I had remained, I probably would have pushed it pretty hard. Yeah. What does that and mean? Fast. Harder harder than it is right now? How do you even do that? Well, you have to do a few things. One, you've got to make sure that the rights that you're buying give you that flexibility. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you have to make sure that your relationships with all the incumbent distributors give you that flexibility as well. Right. Did I'm not suggesting I would have pushed it harder than is, but Bob will push it. I'm just suggesting I would have pushed it hard, harder than I, ha than I had been. Than you did. Yeah. Did you ever think about selling it? Did you ever think about kind of deconglomerating a little bit? ABC, ESPN, maybe? It, all, it came up a number of times, so think about it, yes. Um, we talked about it often. We always, we, we always reevaluated our asset base with an eye toward what was going to create the best growth for us, what was best for the shareholders of the company long term. It came up from time to time. It was complicated. Tax basis is low. You've got partnerships. Hearst, the partner Hearst owns 20% uh, still, ESPN. Right? Um, so there's that. And then there are a variety of other things that have to be considered as well. Um, but it's come up. 
Interesting, Jim, isn't it? That uh, the least, you know, listen, every company always, as I point out, always thinks about doing anything. That doesn't mean they're going to actually do it, but they need to know their options. And it would seem that ESPN remains where's an Metaverse? important component. Yeah, where, yeah. Uh, where's Metaverse for ESPN, you mean? Yeah. I mean, and where's isolation? Where, why can't we have a camera uh, on every single player? Why do we not take fantasy football to its heights? What is the problem with embracing gambling in an aggressive way since the country has? I feel that ESPN is still born in the way that SI was when ESPN came on. You got a guy like Adam Schefter. He is just, he's gold. What does he get? What is he, what, how is he promoted? He has to do everything on Twitter, for heaven's sake. I think it's time for Disney to get control of the narrative of ESPN and of sports. David, they have just been exactly the way they were before we got interactive. They're in 2010. That's why they're where they are. They're not expanding. Their gambling platform is ridiculous. They just totally gave up on fantasy in terms of being able to be in control of, of what I think people do, 55 million people do. So, David, they're resting on their laurels and it's just a big mistake hmm. i have not heard you be quite that critical of that particular property and again it does appear that it's going to remain as part of the portfolio at the company of course we focus so much on direct to consumer but espn is still a, a big generator of cash well look gambling i don't want to do gambling on mad money but i can tell you that gambling's for real and that disney could own that but but maybe they feel it's unseemly I don't know, David. You have to own it if you're going to be in sports. You have to. Yeah, once again, we're butting up against uh, what, what the Disney brand actually means and whether or not, in this case, yes. it involves some kind of coverage and promotion of gambling. Coming up next, guys, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell. Take another look here at Futures as we're about eight minutes away from the uh, opening bell on this Thursday. Don't go anywhere. Every day. Thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. News flow not slowing down here as uh, the FDA now authorizing Merck's COVID-19 oral antiviral pill, uh, molnupiravir. Um, David, we thought this might be coming a little bit earlier in the week, but we finally got it. Yeah, we did. And of course, as our viewers know, we've been following this one from its earliest uh, days. Let's call it March of 2020 in terms of its development from uh, Ridgeback Biotherapeutics uh, through the licensing to Merck and then obviously the uh, trials as well. Um, and the interim analysis that looked a lot better than the final analysis, but still enough for the FDA to say, yeah, this is going to be a positive therapeutic for people. Remember it, uh, it you know, again, different mechanism than the Pfizer uh, drug, uh, the Pfizer uh, antiviral, Paxlovid, which uh, is a protease inhibitor and has proved very effective, at least in trials, uh, and was um, 
approved by the FDA yesterday. Um, but these are going to be out there. There's more of the uh, Molnupiravir available immediately, more courses, uh, and sooner as well in the new year as well. So uh, millions potentially, the U.S. government already having, uh, guys already having stepped up to, to uh, secure a decent supply and the manufacturing already haven't taken place. So, Jim, to that point you've been making, uh, there'll be a lot more of this available. Again, they, they work by different mechanisms. There is a concern, not a, I don't even want to call it a concern. It, you know, the FDA did say when it came to Paxlovid, um, you know, they want to make sure it doesn't uh, prove to uh, bring resistance to it. Uh, that's something that they're concerned about right. with that, because it being a protease inhibitor as opposed to a different mechanism for the Merck drug. Well, I do know that uh, Dr. Topol was really one of the best and really important interview in New York Magazine was saying that this is actually a very easy drug for other companies to make, suggesting that the, uh, the, the National Defense Act, where we just really expropriate Pfizer, make it, have 10 companies do it. And uh, that would be our hope to get this thing done quickly. It's not being done quickly enough. Yeah. Um, they should yeah, have 3.1 well million them. courses available, I believe, if these are notes I've taken in the U.S. by the end of January of Molnupiravir. So that does give you a sense here. And there is a possibility, Carl, that you could take both of these together. Uh, you, there's no, nothing that huh. says you couldn't take Paxlovid and the Merck drug at the same time. Um, yeah. Better, su- better supply on the Merck side, as you guys noted, although uh, the wires are pointing out uh, not authorized for use in patients younger than 18, whereas uh, Paxlovid was approved for ages uh, 12 and up, David. So that's an interesting distinction. Yes, uh, that is. And and again, um, you know, it is going to be used for perhaps the most vulnerable populations. So typically people who are older. And as I've made the point a number of times, there are uh, with Paxlovid, there are a number of drug interactions that people are going to need to be aware of and their doctor is going to need to make them aware of whether people are on, uh, you know, if they have reduced kidney function or on blood thinners, the drugs thereof, even even statins. there is some drug interaction there with what you take with Paxlovid versus Atonavir. So um, it's great that we've got these out there. Finally, we've been talking about them for such a long period of time. Jim, this is going to potentially keep people who are unvaccinated, who get uh, who get COVID from going to the hospital uh, and or, of course, uh, dying. Well, I mean, look, today, Gilead, uh, we have news that their drug reduces hospitalizations. I mean, this is the kind of thing that's just driving me crazy. I mean, suddenly we find out about Gilead and they've had that one. You know, that's been out there for remdesivir for ages. Uh, again, the narrative completely lost. I, I emphasize narrative only because like what, what I'm thinking people do, uh, uh, it, what they should be doing. No one really knows. And I, I do know that, again, I blame the FDA for putting out these things like, you know, here's a press release. No, no. Let's get some data. David, you just gave us a lot more advice than the FDA did. Uh, and you don't even play a doctor on TV. <laughs> no, I've just been dialed into this particular development for some time, as you guys know. But uh but again, but your reporting shows me that I can trust you more than I can, you know, <laughs> the Politburo, which is what I call the FDA, the Politburo. Yeah. I mean, who knows what they're doing? You've been you've been critical. We know that. And for potentially good. Well, nobody else well. is. I might as well be. Yeah. What um, am I like? I don't play for dinner. But, you know, there will there will come a point in the not too distant future when if, in fact, you do get covid uh, and a, got, a lot of this will still be dependent on testing. Carl, as well, as we know. 
uh, you will, uh, your doctor will prescribe that you take one, if not both, of these, uh, of these antivirals at home, five-day course, uh, and it, you know, bats down the, the, the virus very quickly, uh, obviously reduces transmissibility very quickly, uh, and you move on. Uh, as we said from those early days, kind of Tamiflu, even better, certainly Paxlovid in terms of its 90% efficacy, uh, a lot better than, uh, than Tamiflu, which yeah. many people do still take no, we've when been, they get the flu. We've been waiting for the last, we've been waiting for these days for a long time. It does sort of raise the more complicated conversation, though, Jim, of uh, who gets the short supply in the near term? Does it go to people who were resistant to vaccines this whole time? Uh, what does that mean from a moral standpoint? And is it a, a disincentive to get vaccinated from this point forward? Well, uh, look, I'm just hoping it goes to healthcare workers. I mean, we're reading overwhelming, uh, play, just overwhelming hospitals. They, they just don't have people. And once they get it, once the healthcare workers get it, they got to be back on their feet. So I hope that the first million go to every hospital in the country. Uh, and then the next to the nursing homes, prioritize, uh, because if they can't make it all at once, we got to give it to the people who are most at risk of dying or can't help us because they're uh, laid, they're laid up in their healthcare workers. Yeah. Uh, guys, let's get the opening bell here. CNBC Real-Time Exchange with the big board. It's Pegasus Digital Mobility Acquisition Corp. Celebrating a recent listing at the NASDAQ. It's uh, Rock Energy Acquisition Corp. Also celebrating a recent listing as we're back above 4,700. And, Jim, we were just looking at uh, week-to-date gainers. Uh, I mean, the top of the list is all travel names. And I guess you can draw your own conclusions about what the market sees in the way of travel demand in the face of this surge that we're seeing. Well, the market's so stupid. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, they go right by, like, let's buy Delta, let's buy Carnival, let's buy Marriott, let's buy Norwegian Cruise. I mean, uh, 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 bookings.com. You know, look, it can't go every single day like this. You go for the consistent good companies, including the industrials. You get a little bit of a theme going. But the idea that we're on again, off again. Now, we got some news out of China about the idea that maybe the casinos are OK. David, my uh, travel trust, unfortunately, owns Wynn. Uh, and we got some sort of whisper that maybe the PRC may or may not be happy with what's going on at Macau. David, I'm just saying that we're in a, a, a moment right now. Market's thin. Uh, you can go buy, I don't know, 50,000 shares of win and move it four bucks. I mean, what kind of thing is that, David? What is that about? Well, it's a quiet time of year. I don't know. We, you know, we know that. These are the well, last trading days like, of the but, year. And typically, I mean, although people have been working from home forever, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. But uh, <laughs> including, including David, you. David, working the first from time home, is, I, yeah. I, I really think that I should be wearing what you wear when I'm at home. Right. Yeah. But I, this is what I wear at home. So it's very difficult. Uh, you know, last night I come down after the show, uh, I have money for dinner. Yes. And I eat dinner in my tie that I watch uh, Hitler Apocalypse and I'm wearing my tie and jacket. And next thing I know, I'm lying down and I got to take off the jacket. Mm. But the tie never comes off. What's the point? Never comes off. Never. No. And, you know, the Zania interview you did. Yes. Priceless. Priceless. Because, you know, to me, that's like 24 hour wear now is they're doing. <laughs> that was an interview and a half, David. Thank you. That I'm was still, an interview and a half. I'm still hoping Jill Dozenia sends me that cool jacket he had, you know? I mean, come on. <laughs> I know. Um, well, when we see uh, Bob Iger next week on all your interviews, we'll keep looking at your vest. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. I want to change it up, Jim, and come back to you on JD.com. We, we hit it a bit. It's down 8.5%, 10 cents selling, obviously, what was a significant stake uh, in the company. They own some others you pointed out as well. I think some of Pinduoduo. You know, dealing with continued regulation. Yeah. 
Well, look, it's obvious that she does not like, I think, uh, anybody who is a kind of a Chinese oligarch. At the same time, I wonder whether these things don't make him more popular among the vast middle class that doesn't want to see maybe. Uh, David, I really do believe that there is a split in that country. I think she feels that he gets more popular when he punishes the wealthy. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that's one of his uh, so-called campaign issues when he's up for uh, election in November of next year, right? Yes. They don't really have real elections, but I don't think he's going to be an emperor. You There's don't. too many things going wrong there. Yeah, well. Because well, the gross domestic product allows you to be an emperor. He conceivably is going to be in a position where he will be, you know, as powerful as any, uh, as any leader of China we've seen, uh, certainly in, even in our lifetimes. Um, but you're right. Even gotta, if the economy keeps going next lower? Year. Well, we'll see. I know you're, it's an interesting point you're making. But at the same time, you know, preventing social unrest is sort of one of always been the key the key uh, things that any leader of China has been focused on, and most people there are not wealthy. They have created an enormous middle class, and so catering to them might not be the worst thing that you could think about, Jim. Right. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Uh, you get a combination of, of catering to them and get the economy going, and then he's really got uh, you know, a, a long runway. But, Carl, one of the things that I'm worried about in China, I'm trying to figure out how much is clean air for the Olympics and how much is just, you know what, there's just not enough demand. And I, I can't figure it out. But when you look at a stock like Alibaba, doesn't that signal that demand is waning in China? Look at that. That's not, that's not just garden variety decline, for heaven's sake. I mean, that's... That's yeah. SPAC-like. Yep. Um, we got that downgrade out of Atlantic earlier in the week on Baba. By the way, um, I don't know if you saw Intel apologizing to the Chinese uh, for a comment they made about uh, suppliers in the Xinjiang Ch province. Sort of echoes what Jamie Dimon had to do a few weeks ago, Jim. In this case, Intel said, look, yep. it wasn't a, a position we're in. It's more a statement about U.S. law. I know, uh, but I think, what time is Pat on today? The, he, he, Pat's on as much as Iger's been. Uh, that's Pat Kelsey, I'm speaking about with Intel. Uh, I think that this is something you have to do. you got to keep it off your bow, your proxy. Uh, that's also an issue. And I just think that any company that's trying to wrestle with that issue, like uh, uh, some of the French companies have, it just it crushes your business. It just crushes it. Got to be careful. David, you know that stuff. Your phone's tapped. <laughs> yeah, years ago when I did, well, many years ago when I Remember did. Remember when your phone was tapped? You were using well, burners? I did David, the first thing on Chinese you cyber did your espionage. Episode. And yeah, and uh, Brad will tell you down at the NYC, my computer was never the same. Never. Um, never well, you had cameos in the that. wire, right? Because you used more burners. <laughs> did you use more burners than anyone other than, like, I don't know, no. uh, Marlo? Got, I mean, uh, Omar? Uh, Marlo, Omar? Omar. Although he was I such a good yeah, I know, I know, Omar. Yeah, uh, Marlo is scary, man. But not in Bosch. In Bosch, that actor, he's a great guy. He's the best. Bo oh, my Love God. Him. Marlo in Bosch is my hero. I know. Uh, hey, Carl, I don't know where you are, what season you are in Bosch, but <laughs> Marlo is like, it's like I, he's really kind of resurrected himself. He sure has. He sure has. He's so much nicer than Harry. Uh, Harry. Well, speaking of content, guys, um, you know, we talk a lot about streaming and stay at home, but Spider-Man... No Way Home, Jim, is going to be on pace to be perhaps the only billion-dollar film uh, theatrical release of uh, 2021. Well, well, I guess that's enough for Adam Aaron to be happy. We know he had Adam Aaron AMC on Monday. Uh, I still, David, I'm going to go back to Disney. 
why do I have to, uh, during a, an Omicron lock, you know, personal lockdown, why shouldn't Disney Plus be everything for me? Why shouldn't I just be going over there instead of looking at Apple Plus and watching season two of The Morning Show? Why, why doesn't Disney step up right now and give me something because they know that I'm locked down along with millions of other people? Why aren't they doing it, David? Uh, well, I think they're trying. They're trying, Jim. I mean, there's only so much content yeah. you can produce of very high quality in a, in a certain amount of time. But your point is, but don't one they that, have something lying around they yeah, could give us? Yeah, but they don't. What you want that really? I mean, by the way, what's the problem with having a lot of different platforms to go to? You know, uh, you're not going to get rid of your Disney Plus, are you? Are you canceling it? No, of course not. No, I like Disney Plus. But yeah, I thought that they would give us something like a one-time only spec, like that you could pivot. Can you pivot if you're one of these dinosaurs, David? Like say, you know what? Boom. Because Amazon seems to pivot all the time. Netflix pivots. Yeah. They do. Netflix. You could make an argument that Disney did a pretty good job of pivoting as well to actually creating a direct-to-consumer when it was in the linear television business oh, for well, a that, very long that period of time. That was brilliant. Yeah. So, I mean, they did create their own but future I went, there. Right. But so Paramount now. And uh, how about Peacock? How's yeah, Peacock but Disney Plus is much larger than they are. Uh, much larger. I mean, it's right. so... I mean, the question... But I just want customer loyalty. This is when you do a 360 of what we want. I would like more content right now from Disney+. Plus. I'd like to dial it up and see new things. They're all over the country, David. There's going to be you know, there are going to be people quarantined for 10 days. What an opportunity for one of these outfits to say, you know what, we hear you. We know what's going on. We're putting together additional content that we weren't going to show you until January. Hmm. Boom. So we have something to do. This, this I can is, watch Hitler Apocalypse only like 70 times. This is just times. about you, really. There's I nothing think. left. Carl, this is just about him. I have nothing on. He's There's getting, nothing on. He's got two more days. World War II he can't apocalypse. handle it. He's had enough. He wants out. And, uh, and that's huh. what the real problem is. So he's literally asking thank heavens to Thank heaven. NFL plays every night. Yeah. Just NFL plays every night, thank heavens, right? Point, Isn't that good? At this point, uh, CDC is just going to change their quarantine guidance, uh, David, just to get him out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll all be benefit from that. And the dogs are driving me crazy, and I go down, and my wife's eating Captain Crunch and the PJs, and, and the whole thing is just driving me nuts. <laughs> I want out. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll come down and wave to you from the street. How about that? You want me to do that? <laughs> Talk to eh, you through your window? Man. It's fine. Yeah. I just said, leave it out there. Leave. I've got friends that come over and says, leave yourself out there. I mean, some people want to, like, give me a package and leave it out there. You can't get near me. I'm not going to let you 10 feet. My daughter's going to sorry, leave them out there. Nothing. This is just nothing. All right. I've said my piece on what to do on day 10 of a quarantine, day nine of a quarantine, <laughs> which is like. But Disney Plus could have helped me. Did you watch the Beatles thing? Because I've heard that's good. Did you have you watched the Beatles, the, the Peter Jackson Beatles thing? No, I watched uh, episode right, well, one of Yellowstone last night. It's supposed night. to be great. All right. So stop complaining and watch the Beatles thing. Carly's mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, it's tough love. Yeah. It's tough love. Um, Jim, tough. Uh, three different stories on Amazon. Um, one is that they're masking up again in warehouses, obviously, given the surge. FTC right. reportedly looking at AWS. That was interesting. Um, Bloomberg with this really interesting piece on how some internal documents showed that nearly a quarter of new Alexa users stopped using the device within two weeks. Uh, in recent years, uh, sort of a, that, some friction there with adopting voice incredible. technology. 
I, I thought that was incredible. I, I, but then again, it's, it's anecdotal. Uh, all of my friends, uh, Alexa is integral. And we always feel like we have to be, we have to be very guarded what we say at, uh, at the house because we can turn on anything. But, you know, David, I think Alexa uh, is something that that was that is not a fad. I see a lot of people adjusting to it. Do you know? I mean, don't you think that's a rather odd figure of the turnoff? Yeah, although I've maybe they don't have enough programming. I don't know. Never been comfortable with the whole the whole idea of it, listening in all the time to everything. We no, you, yeah. you don't use your Alexa. I don't have Alexa. No Alexa. Yeah, we only use burner phones in my family. You know that. <laughs> I don't know, Carl. I live and die by. Well, I don't want to say, but and by the way, in a quarantine, Alexa's one of your friends. I talk to Siri a lot. Anybody. <laughs> I'll talk to anybody. <laughs> this this is thing getting, is just horrible. This is getting even weirder, Carl. Uh, I'm going to take us back to a name we haven't <laughs> talked about in ages, uh, which is Nicola, sort of starting to detail at least some, uh, <laughs> yeah, some actual deliveries. I mean, take a, let's, let's put up a, a, I don't know, a two-year if we can on that. One of the early SPACs, remember, and then what was the high? I got a right. high there. Of, yeah, well into the high. Oh, 65. That was when that truck was barreling. Yeah. Remember the truck barreling? barreling? down the road. They settled with the SEC earlier this week, uh, you know, for a lot of money. Yeah, for 125 million, and now they have uh, more to come. They say in terms of their first customer delivery, <laughs> which is completed of the uh, of the truck. Great. Well, good that they're making a big comeback there. Uh, you know, David, when I was going over the stocks that have worked in the fourth quarter, the ones that haven't worked, anything connected to EV. I mean, what a saturation. I wish you would do a SPAC report on all of the SPACs that were done in, e- in EV land. By the way, David, the SPACs, I think, are really, they're not making a comeback so far. No, it, they're going to end the year not looking particularly good. Although you do, listen, there are still, you know, there's so many different iterations, right? We've got, we've got SPAC that announced the deal but has yet to close it. Those are all very mm-hmm. not trading particularly well. We've got SPACs that are out there that have gone public that obviously have not announced the deal yet. And those and sometimes present an opportunity for some investors who are simply looking to lock in some sort of a return. Because remember, you can redeem at 10 bucks or sometimes even $10.20. And so you can lock in a return with potentially at least the optionality that they announce something the market really likes or briefly likes or even better, hates and therefore redeems enormous amounts of it. And so you get a short squeeze. There's the CNBC's back 50. So that's still trading above par. There's once they've announced the deal. That looks horrible. <laughs> just horrible. So, yeah, to your point. Uh, wow. Another 9% this month. And that's after a deal has closed. And that's also terrible. Uh, just but terrible. David, I mean, like, for instance, Blackstone today, right? Did you hear about Blackstone? Yes. yes. No, Blackstone not product. Blackstone, those smart guys. Right. Blackstone, the grills. Yes. Well, good, because we already have Traeger. That's been miserable. How about Weber? That's a disaster. So what we need is a good new grill company. <laughs> Carl, I'll send it over to you. Carl. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, NASDAQ is now green for the month. Uh, S&P uh, is above the record close from December 10. And you can see uh, the, the major a- averages holding on to green. Dow's up 216. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. 
Yeah, 47.12, that's the December 10th close. We're above that right now. We'll take a look at the sectors here. Remember, we got the inflation numbers today, the PCE deflator, hot, but basically in line. That's good news. In line is fine. Expectations are they'll moderate down the road here. We got cyclicals up today. That's good. Banks, uh, industrials, energy stocks doing fairly well uh, at the open. Tech still holding up. Uh, and healthcare is a, a little bit below uh, consumer staples. They've been the big leadership group. It's nice to see this rotation that we've been getting here. So remember, since Powell got more defensive, that was November 30th, things have changed a little bit, but not that much. If you take a look at the sectors, defensive names like healthcare, consumer staples have been up, industrials, energy banks, these are cyclicals. They're flat to slightly down, but not that bad, and they've been improving recently. And the same with technology. Tech got hit initially after Powell got aggressive rather severely. The S&P tech sector is actually up since then because Apple's been so strong in some of the mega caps. But elsewhere, there's been some modest damage, semiconductors, software, Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation Fund down. But all of these have been improving in the last week as the bulls have regained control of the narrative. It's worth repeating what the narrative is and why we're sitting essentially at new highs. The basic idea is that Omicron is very highly contagious, but for those fully vaccinated with a booster, it's not as dangerous. There's not going to be a mass shutdown. That's the key to the bull narrative. It means that we'll probably be able to get control of the bottlenecks and supply chain issues. They'll ease in the first half of 2022. That implies the Fed may be less aggressive on inflation. Consumer's going to be strong. The earnings will be strong. You get the idea. But a lot depends on the idea we're not shutting down and we'll get control over the supply chain bottlenecks uh, in the first half of the year. As for next week, yes, we start the famous fabled sacred Santa Claus rally. This is a fairly reliable indicator. It's very specific. It's the last five trading days of the year and the first two of the new year. You get positive returns most of the time in the last 45 years. The average return is about 1.4%. And our thanks to our great friends at the Stock Traders Almanac. They discovered that many, many years ago. My old friend, Yale Hirsch. Uh, as for the record, uh, here's why people are optimistic about next week. Uh, in the last 40 years, the December high was in the last week 41% of the time. In other words, we're, you hit the highs typically in the last week of the year. That's why people are feeling optimistic. And that's from Datatrek, thanks to my friends over there at Datatrek. So we're there, as Carl said, 47.12 was the December 10th high. We're well above that right now. We'll see if we can close there for the new year. I think the only concern that I have, it's it's setting the, high, the bar pretty high, guys, for going into the beginning uh, of January. And Carl, I did see the, the most of the Beatles uh, special. It was fantastic. David, uh, the important thing here is you get to see the Beatles creating the songs on their last two albums, on Abbey Road and Let It Be. Literally, you watch them inventing those songs that you know by heart. And it's so beautiful to watch them change the tempo. And you know the songs they're doing, but it doesn't sound like them exactly. It's a beautiful uh, work of art, watching artists create something out of nothing. It's just fantastic. I highly recommend it. I will. I'm going to watch it, without a doubt. And uh, Mr. Kramer is going to watch it as well over the next two days as he sits and finishes out his quarantine, Bob. Thank you, Bob Pisani. All right, later this morning on Tech Check, Dwayne Johnson is going to talk movies and tequila. Be sure to tune in. That's 11 a.m. Eastern. And as we head to a break, let's give you a look at how treasuries are faring this morning for the bond report. Yields have moved up sharply over the last week, and you can see the 10-year, yeah, uh, getting closer to 1.5 at 1488. 30-year bond, 1887. We'll be right back. Quick reminder, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. 
Sign up, find out more at cnbc.com slash investing club or use the QR code on your screen. Dow briefly got above 36K, uh, where we have not closed above since November 16th. We're back in just a minute. Let's get to a final stop trading of the week. Yeah, Carl, a city couldn't resist taking a shot at Peloton. Cuts a number, cuts price hard 55 to 38. Points out that that uh, big rights offering they did at 46 in November is still just kind of sloshing around. Uh, look, this was one of those stocks that truly was meant to be a quarantine stock. And if you take a look at it, it it's just not succeeding this time around. Uh, maybe it would, it just got to be too high a value. It has been a disaster this year. Just a terrible stock to own. Terrible. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, Jim, uh, it is the biggest year-to-date loser on the NDX. Uh, at least that's what I remember from It, it uh, should from never have gone. Yeah. Just a remarkable turn. It's down, down 76%, Carl. And look, I think it's a great product. Uh, I think that the fact that it's a $12 billion company is probably maybe still too much. Jim, how about tonight? All right, I got a company called Boxed On. They came public yesterday. They rang the bell. I mentioned when you, as soon as they rang the bell I, that I think this is an interesting company. It's kind of a Costco delivery, and I can't wait to speak to them because this is a very creative group that is headquartered right down the block from me. So not in quarantine. Maybe I'll visit them. Jim, David and I are looking forward to um, getting you out of quarantine, um, making, making sure oh. you have a great holiday. And then looking forward to congratulating so your birds house. in the Super Bowl early next year. <laughs> uh, well, that, that actually is a given. And I've mm. got the I've got reservations. And uh, this is SoFi. SoFi, I'll call that guy uh, Noto. And, you know, because Noto will give me a whole box, I think. I'll pay. I'll pay for it. Don't worry. Actually, I think it's going to be the Colts. I saw the Pro Bowl list. I think the Colts get it. There you go. Right. That's my prediction. Jim, happy holiday, man. Yeah. Colts, Green Bay. Uh, by the way, Dayton, when do you show Bob Iger liking the Packers? I mean, what is that, next week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll be next week when we continue the rollout. We got so much more of that to go. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Money, 6 p.m. Uh, tonight, best. Jim. Uh, we won't miss you. Uh, we'll see you tonight, Jim. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.